0: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have Dr. Michelle Saltarelli. Uh, she's with the Autumn Oak Speech, Voice, and Hearing Place. Um, so, Michelle, thanks for coming. How are you doing?
1: Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thanks for uh, taking the time to come on. Uh, tell me about uh, you know, what you do. What was the premise of your work?
1: Okay. I am, I am a speech-language pathologist. I've been practicing almost 20 years and an audiologist who's been practicing 11 years. So that makes me unique because I'm duly certified in both. So at the clinic that I own, uh, we do speech pathology and audiology services for both adults and children. So we do an array of services here at the clinic. In addition to that, um, I work with local universities and lecture and uh, teach students that are doing their externships and trying to get um uh, clinical hours. So I'm involved um, both in the providing the service sector, but also in the educational aspect too. So,
0: so what's what interests you about uh, speech pathology and, uh, you know, the whole audio world?
1: Right. Okay. I wish I had like a really nice kind of like romantic story behind it. But honestly, it was a uh, one day in my junior year in my dormitory, my mom called me up and told me, Michelle, Dad and I are going to stop paying for college if you don't figure out what you're going to do with yourself. So right. by that time, I realized I'm not that great at chemistry and I'm not very strong in math, so I'm definitely not going to do that. But at that time, I also knew that I wanted to help people and and you know help others. So I went into speech pathology at Southeastern Louisiana University, and they connected me with a private practice owner in Slidell, in Slidell, Louisiana. And there, I she was duly certified as well, which is pretty unique. And um, so I got to do both speech pathology services and got some hands-on with audiology services and loved it. So I decided I practiced for a few years as a speech pathologist. Didn't quite feel fulfilled. I wanted to do more. So I went on and got my doctorate in audiology, and um, I feel very fulfilled now because I'm able to offer – two services, and, and I really understand, you know, one, they're so highly related that you can't, it's best to practice both, and, and um, you know, I just, you know, feel very fulfilled.
0: So what's your work about? What, what do people have problems with that you help them with?
1: Um, for audiology services, it's, it's people with hearing loss. Um, I don't, they can also come to audiologists for balance, any kind of balance or gait issues, but I don't practice that here at this clinic. So mostly it's, it's hearing services, so they're losing their hearing, we can't medically treat it, um, we start exploring the route of hearing aids, or um, if it's beyond the point of hearing aids, then we also explore the route of cochlear implants. So um, that's what I do here in that area. In speech pathology, it's um, kids that stutter, kids that have speech problems, practice speech, kids that have um, different disorders. Um, they and speech and language are affected. And then the adults, usually I see traumatic brain injury, uh, stroke victims, uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, so those types of related areas and, and, and any kind of swallowing disorders we work with.
0: So when would a hearing aid help someone versus not, and when would cochlear implants help someone versus not?
1: Okay. So a hearing aid is going to help um, when a person is having two One of the two um, issues that comes with, like, a sensory neural type of hearing loss or even a type of conductive hearing loss that cannot be medically uh, repaired. Um, So, people can't hear very well, um, whether it's in quiet. Most of the time, the biggest, the first symptom is going to be they can't understand speech very well or hear speech well enough to understand it when they're in group setting or when they're speaking to somebody of a foreign accent. Or different dialect. I mean, somebody from California might have a hard time listening to somebody from Boston because that dialect's not uh, familiar. So those are the soft signs, and those are the early signs of it. Um, Anything with tinnitus or the ringing in the ear, um, those are people that should get tested, and um, and that's usually when they're a candidate for um, hearing aids. You know, even with the mildest or slightest loss, it really depends on their own lifestyle and demands of, of their lifestyle with their hearing. So here at my clinic, my average age for hearing aids is around 45 years old. Right. So I work with a lot of professionals that rely heavily on their hearing. And a lot of them, you know, we're in Houston. We're a suburb of Houston. So we w- work around a lot of different nationalities. So with different accents. Uh, cochlear implants, usually those are people that, Um, lost their hearing suddenly, and hearing aids are no longer helpful, if at all. Uh, They might not have ever used a hearing aid before and lost their hearing suddenly. So that's when cochlear implants are more appropriate.
0: So what are some of the reasons that, what are some of the ways people lose their hearing? Why does it happen?
1: Um, It could be like a head trauma um, to the temporal uh, lobe area or to the, uh, like a fracture of the skull in that region. Other reasons. A lot of times, we don't even know. It could be a virus, like meningitis, um, so or bacterial meningitis. So, a lot of times, we and sometimes we just don't know. It's just something that attacks the, the ear. So, if anybody notices that, wow, one of my ears is really stuffy, and I, you know, what, I don't think I'm hearing anything from it. It's very um, appropriate and behoove you to find an ENT. Pretty much immediately so they can start treatment within that first 24 hours to try to get any kind of hearing back. But that first 24 hours is vital. Um, and sometimes it brings it back and sometimes it doesn't. And, um, and then we have to go down the road of either A, you're, you're using sign language or, you know, cause you're, you're not hearing well at all or, um, you know, you have to learn sign language or we're going to go down the route of a cochlear implant. So I mean, I see it all the time because I work with cochlear implants. But you know, it happens a lot more than you think.
0: But well, literally, what, what? So okay, if someone gets the virus, does the virus like eat the the hairs inside their ear where they can't hear, or
1: yeah, like it attacks? Gets- yeah, <laughs> it, it attacks the organ of like it, it attacks the organ of cordy, uh, the cochlea. So yeah, mm-hmm. those cells are responsible for. You know, taking a carbon copy of the sound and giving it to the brain because we really interpret the message and at the level of the brain. So, unfortunately, in our species, those cells do not regenerate. Once they're damaged, they're damaged forever. So, and and we they have pockets of research. You know, one for example is at like Rice University. Um, there's pockets of research at the you know various universities and different places and within the nation to study like how do we regenerate these cells, you know, how can we, we do this, how can we bring back hearing, but, um, you know, it, it's they're smaller pockets of research, um, it's not like a, a, a largely funded cancer foundation type of thing.
0: What about, uh, I call it tinnitus, I guess, that's how I heard it the commercial.
1: Yeah, tinnitus. so tinnitus, right, so depending on what research you're looking at, uh, 90 to 80% of people with hearing loss have tinnitus and a lot of times that is the first symptom of any kind of damage to those cells. For whatever reason, or within the pathway. So um, with that, it's usually the first sign. So I would recommend an evaluation. Um, It if it's um, you know, and more likely we'll find out that yeah, you have a hearing loss, and that's why you're having this symptom. Um, There, we don't really know what causes tinnitus other than damage in that area. And before the advent of cochlear implants, we always thought it was like beyond the brain, or no, it was in the ear, like it was just the ear, but When cochlear implants came out, the surgeons were unskilled because it was brand new. The devices were much bigger that were going inside the head. So it was essentially obliterating that whole area, that whole organ of hearing, the the cochlea. And these people were waking up still with horrible tinnitus. So then we realized, okay, it's not just the ear. It can go beyond. It can go into the pathways within the brain causing the tinnitus. So we still don't really know really what causes it to really treat it and cure it. So we have found that when people have the tinnitus secondary to hearing loss, when they start wearing hearing aids, it allows them to hear all the other sounds that they are missing out on within the environment. So those sounds help to mitigate or lessen the effects of tinnitus. It kind of masks, it, it, what it essentially does, it masks out the tinnitus sound. So you don't really pay attention to that. Your brain and your interp- you know, you and your brain's interpreting all the other sounds around you because you have access to it now with a hearing aid.
0: But what is tinnitus? Why would this certain like, <laughs> you know, a sound predominate in your hearing? Or do the people only hear it like in a quiet room at first, and then it it grows and grows to the point where that's all they hear? Like, where, how does it work? Yeah,
1: they have, you know, they have mild to severe cases. So tinnitus is actually defined. As any out like any so- any sound that you hear that has no outside source you know or no origin outside of us, so some people define it as like a high pitch beep. most people usually will classify it like this high pitch like e kind of sound, other people will say yeah. it sounds like cricket, other people will say it sounds like music, other people will say it sounds like like you know in between radio stations, those kind of staticky sounds so um. It just depends on the person. There are, and usually it's mild to moderate, but they do have those severe cases where that's all they hear. And it's, it's very, um, it can be very debilitating to them and, and emotionally disturbing to them. So it can cause depression and those types of things. Is it sudden or
0: is it, does it build up over time? It's
1: usually gradual. It's, it's usually gradual unless you were exposed to like a gunshot or, um, you know, where it was right by your ear, or you went to a really loud concert. I mean, we've all experienced that, where we went to a really loud concert, and our ears feel full, and there's a loud ringing, but after a day or two, it subsides and goes away. So, you know, obviously, there's just mechanical overuse of our hair cells, which are responsible for, you know, that carbon copy, presenting that carbon copy to our brain of sound, and they were just overused. So. You know, there's those, you know, temporary effects of sound on us, but, you know, constant mechanical, over-mechanical use of our cells can definitely cause um, the tinnitus and um, contribute to hearing loss. And tinnitus happens to be a symptom of that hearing loss.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Like, you know, if I'm in a dead quiet room, I can hear it, you know, but again, I don't know why I have it and where it came from. And does, does everyone get it just by being a certain age? Or getting older? or um, Yeah, well,
1: it's not unusual for most of us to have it come and go. So if it comes and goes, it's pretty natural and it's not a red flag. But constant, continuous tinnitus or tinnitus, depending on how you say it, is not normal. So I would definitely get an evalu- hearing evaluation to see. And if it's constant and continuous and it doesn't matter where you are, and, you know, when you he- you hear it mostly in a quiet room or when you're about to go to sleep, Um, because there are no other sounds in the environment to mask it. Um, More than likely, it's probably the onset of some hearing loss.
0: Yeah, what are are some of the ways to improve
1: it? Well, to improve it, um, research has shown that if you you reduce your stress, reduce your sodium levels, um, reduce caffeine levels, um, they have noticed patterns in that to help reduce the effects of tinnitus but we don't really know what where exactly you know what exactly and where it's exactly happening to just go in and cure it we just have these patterns that we're discovering with research and right. and like the hearing aids you know when it gets bad enough and you're hearing it all the time everywhere it doesn't matter if it's in a quiet place or not um you know hearing aids help to mask it by allowing you to hear all the other sounds in the environment and not Yeah just how do how
0: do it. uh right how do how do hearing aids work
1: Okay, so hearing aids, well, the, these are amazing little gadgets. They're, they're essentially like sound processors. So, the hearing aids that I work with, um, you know, there are six medical major brands in the world. And um, typically, those six, I also work with a, a sister company. So, I work with seven companies. Um, a couple of those are the ones that make the miracle ear and the bell tone. And um, I work with the m- major brands. And they're like sound processors. They're like um, little computers. So what they do is they will use an algorithm to help capture speech and amplify the speech, but at the same time capture and identify noise in the environment and suppress that and reduce the noise because the most difficult listening environments for people with hearing loss and even with average hearing are the noisy environments. You know, you have to literally filter out all the noise around you and really pay attention to the speech you're trying to listen to. And when you have a hearing loss, that becomes such a very difficult, mentally exhausting task. So that's what hearing aids are doing, and that's what they're, they've been doing for several years. Now, where they're going is these hearing aid companies are making it where, you know, they're also putting in, like... Um, you know, brain tracking, like how long are you wearing it, you know, because we know, according to research, that if you wear your hearing aids all day, every day, except for like maybe when you shower or swim and sleep, um, it helps to maintain what you have, preserve what you have, preserve the hearing you have, because we know that hearing loss is progressive in nature, it will continue to decline. And the two areas that get affected the most is not just sounds are not like too soft now, you know, sounds around you are very soft, dim, dampened, or not even audible anymore. The other one is that speech becomes very difficult to interpret. So um, they will start to help us track how often people are wearing them to help support what they have. They're also starting to, they're starting to do with like heart rate sensors and, you know, fall alerts where they have a gyroscope and accelerometer inside of this head-level, ear-level piece, and, and it, it's allowing people or it's going to allow people to be contacted if a loved one falls, and they're starting to get where they're so smart that they are translating 27 different languages in your ears while somebody of a different language will speak into your phone and your app that goes in, inside of your, you know, that will allow that language to be translated to English because I only speak English, and um, when I speak into my phone and English will come out in my ears through my hearing aids. And then they're also That's getting amazing. to where it's just, yes, where they're just like little virtual assistants where you just tap your little, you know, your pinna, which is your ear. You tap your ear and you ask it kind of like Siri, you know, like what's the weather going to be like today? What's going on? What are, you know, so, so yeah, so they're, they're definitely turning into smart devices. And and that one fellow, um, Husbands and help.
0: Wives where, when the husband says something, and the wife's hearing aid translates it you know, and then she only hears that, and then she says something and it translates, to the husband hears things in the right way you
1: know <laughs> right joke, you know. right so so yes yeah, they're they're getting quite amazing with what they're they're capable of doing, so you know they're just um you know they're 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 opening to doors to many different things with hearing aids, so um that's where they're <coughs> going. Yeah.
0: What about the ability and, uh, of hearing aids to help people hear better? Is that, is that yeah. has that been improving in recent years? Like, if someone was yeah. thinking about it's, hearing aids and they looked at it years ago, is it much better now, or is it just incrementally better?
1: Yes. No. It is a. You know. Yes. Much better. Um. Now. So when I first, when I was in school in the early two thousands, um, I graduated in two thousand eight, and I, uh, I told my professors, I'm like, this is very frustrating to tell a patient, I know you've just spent all this money on these hearing aids, but that's really all I can do for you. You know, you have to do, you know, you're going to have to rely on everything else, your eyesight, you know, where you, the lighting in the room to make sure that you see and hear everything that's going on. But these are the limitations of the hearing aids nowadays. Well, fast forward, you know, 11 years later, um, just they've gotten much better where, uh, essentially, they're advertising because if you look at all these na- these vendors for hearing aids, they're all wanting to sell you theirs because they have the best. Well, you know, there's only a best for you. There isn't a best out there. You know, if there was, we would all be learning it at this university and teaching it at universities. But they've come a long way where their their marketing is. You know, their their vices are catching up to their marketing that you know you can. It helps you with hearing and. And, you know, when you hear it well, you can better understand it well. So, yes, and they are able to filter out a lot of the noise and stuff. So, yes, it's come a long way. But that's why in my early years as an audiologist and speech pathologist, I only worked with cochlear implants. I really didn't want to get into hearing aids because it was a bit disappointing for me, too. But now, like I said, the technology finally caught up to their marketing and um, they're doing a lot more. And I can get it where people are very satisfied with their device, you know, because uh, the thing is, though, is that there isn't, like I said, there isn't one best brand for the masses. There just isn't. And the difference between every single manufacturer, and like I said, I work with all six of them, plus one of their little sister companies that makes them seven, is their algorithm that they use for speech processing. So as a speech pathologist, I quickly realized in being an audiologist that, you know, they're not... Understanding speech as I expect them to be doing, or as you know, performing as well. And so, what I started to do is, you know, that with hearing aids, you have at least thirty days to to try it to figure out if you like it before you commit to them. So I use that thirty days for the you know the benefit of my patients. So if they're not, if they're still struggling or it's just not quite right, I return those hearing aids and we start with a totally different brand because their speech processing are completely different. And it may think better with your brain and and one product versus another product. So I utilize that time for the benefit of my patients. You know, because there's a whole lot of myths out there that we have to deal with. And, you know, there isn't one brand that fits the masses. So you really need to go to somebody that has a multitude, you know, ideally all the brands, you know, to figure out which one's best for you. Yeah. And utilize that. The other thing is, like, nowadays, the nice thing, too, is that health insurance is getting involved. So, a lot of times, my patients, we bill through health insurance for the purchase of their hearing aids. And if they don't cover 100%, they'll cover the allowable amount. And then, if they want to upgrade, they can upgrade. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, misnomers out there that, you know, hearing aids are not covered by health insurance. Yeah, they are. You know, Medicare, not yet. And maybe they'll never will be. But the other big major health insurance providers, especially here in Texas, they do.
0: Have you ever worked with someone that has foreign absence syndrome? Have you ever heard about that?
1: I've heard about that. And no, I have not. But yes, it's usually due to some neurological event that occurs. And then they start speaking with a foreign accent. Yes.
0: I just wondered, I saw a video on it. I thought it was so crazy. I just wondered if you ever ran into it.
1: Yes. No, I have never, you know, I, like I said, I've been practicing almost 20 years as a speech pathologist and I work with a lot of neurologically um, involved people and adults, especially, and I have yet to see that. Um, And I think out of all my colleagues, I I speak with, I think I have one colleague that I know um, that had to work with that years ago, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it at all. Okay. Okay. But um, yeah, but, I would say after having some neurological event, I would much rather speak like with an English accent than lose my speech altogether after a stroke. So, uh, yeah, no, but, you know, I, it, it it still can be disturbing, I'm sure. And they still, uh, we still see it, but, uh, I have, I seen it. No, I haven't.
0: Well, all right. So I guess last, last couple of questions. Um, is there such thing as a mechanical ear or a, a complete like hearing replacement? You know, I know it's not the ear itself, but, the, the active right. hearing, like, how far can technology yeah. go now if someone's lost their hearing? Right,
1: power? right. So, really, that's a cochlear implant where they just totally bypass the inner, outer, and, you know, the, the inner ear, middle ear, outer ear, they totally bypass the ear itself and go straight to that hearing nerve. So, yes, a prosthetic ear would be a cochlear implant. So... Um, That's definitely on the market, but there's a whole journey with that one, and it's an amazing journey, but it's, um, you know, we've never heard or had to interpret sound from a cochlear implant, so our babies, the first thing I have to do with babies is first teach them how to listen, and then I teach them how to speak and develop speech and language. With adults, we have to teach them as well, like how to not listen. They know how to listen, but how to Interpret this brand new message into speech and language and sounds in the environment. So, um, and it takes for adults. It can take up to a year and beyond uh, to to really utilize that cochlear implant. And you know that's average. Some people get it pretty immediately. Other people have to take a little bit longer than a year. So, yeah. Are there people that,
0: that that are there people that will just not be able to hear no matter what you do? Or can a cochlear implant help anyone to hear?
1: Yeah. No, there are. You know, the thing with meningitis is that it pretty much ossifies the cochlea. So it makes like the cochlea, which is like a canal system with fluid running through it into a rock. There is no fluid anymore. There isn't this canal system. And and it's pretty much a rock. So if it's not addressed immediately, um, then yeah, then the placement of a cochlear implant or even the possibility of going in for a cochlear implant is no longer there. So that's why it's always imperative that whatever's happening to you, you know, you need to get evaluated. And, uh, you know, especially if it's, it's a sudden hearing loss, you need to be evaluated within 24 hours. So, so yeah, because
0: okay, okay. there are
1: things, yeah, that happen like that.
0: Is there any association with uh, dementia or Alzheimer's in hearing? I've uh, heard yes. intended that there is.
1: Yes. Yeah, so what they're finding, so with hearing loss, so the thing with hearing loss is that we, le- we really hear at the level of the brain. That's what, what interprets all this information for us. Well, when you have a hearing loss, the body parts and the brain involved is not being stimulated. So when it's not being stimulated because of deprivation, and that, that's hearing loss, um, you know, things begin to atrophy. Including the areas within the brain, and it's just a domino effect. So yeah, so people are at higher risk with hearing loss to have dementia. Um, you know, so that that's what they're alluding to there. It's it's kind of like I put this is how I say it. If you put a cast on one leg for twelve for uh, six weeks and then you take the cast off, you're gonna notice like your your muscle, your calf muscle on that leg is much smaller than the other leg, and it's because of deprivation. It's atrophy. And that's really what, what's happening with the hearing mechanisms within our brain. It's just this domino effect of our neurons. It's the death of these cells, secondary to lack, of, depri- lack of, of stimulation, deprivation. So, yeah, so hearing loss should be treated as soon as possible.
0: Well, very good. So what are some resources for listeners? What's the best way for them to get in touch and to find out more?
1: As for listeners, uh, they're welcome. There are let's see, good places for resources. Uh, I have some resources with on my website for um, www.speechhearingtherapy.com. dot com. Um, the National Institute or National Council on Aging has some great researches uh, research in regards to like you know statistics on you know improving the quality of health and all that stuff. Um, those are some good resources as well. Um but pretty much if somebody needs help with their hearing, um make sure that whomever you go see works with a variety of manufacturers, not just one. You know, because it it does okay. it one brand does not fit the masses. And Excellent. also um American speech American speech language and hearing Asha Hearing Association A S H A is another good resource. And the uh, American or the Academy of uh, Doctors of Audiology. Those are some other resources. You know, just some information on hearing loss and the effects of hearing loss. You know, as of right now, uh, statistics and research are showing that people with hearing loss are waiting seven years. I mean, when I was in school, with ten years, so it's it's declining, but they're still waiting seven years to get help. So that's a lot of definitely a lot of time. With that is a long time and. You know these hearing aids are getting much smarter, so hopefully the stigma behind hearing aids is going to start reducing, because um, it, it's not just for our elder, our senior citizens. It's like I said here, I, my I work with professionals that need their hearing for work, so they're getting help at age forty-five. Oh, I was just going to say you also need to know the difference between the audiologist and the hearing um, hearing um, instrument specialist. You know because You know, here's the thing: they they, everything's free, free consultation, free this. You're going to hear, see with the hearing instrument specialist. And the reason why it's free is because Medicare and Medicaid has, you know, declared that their credentials are not sufficient enough to give you a diagnosis, so they have to be free. But you know, advertising free evaluation because my credentials are not well, you know, good enough is not. it's not a good advertisement. So everything's free. So people really need to know who they're seeing and what to look for.
0: All right. Very good. Well, we're out of time, but Michelle, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Um, Have a great day.
0: You're listening to the future tech podcast with Richard Jacobs, future technologies, such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career